So guys, I'm having a little bash at my place in Malibu this Saturday. It's gonna be off the hook. You guys should come. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, The Entourage Podcast. It is episode six of season one, Busey and the Beach, a fantastic episode. We have a fantastic guest coming up. I am back from my honeymoon. Apologies for being away for so long. Basically, the last three episodes were recorded in kind of a bubble. I recorded them all in one day, the evening before I left for my two-week honeymoon in Southeast Asia. In case anyone cares, you don't. The honeymoon was fantastic. The wife and I got severe diarrhea midway through, but that kind of comes with the territory of Southeast Asia. We're back. We're in one piece. I'm so excited to keep diving into Entourage, episode by episode, week after week. We have a ton of cool things coming down the road. We're in some conversations with some people to have some really cool shit lined up. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw, but Perry Reeves, the actress who plays Mrs. Ari on Entourage, recently shared one of our posts. If you haven't yet, go ahead and follow the Oh Yeah Pod Instagram and Twitter. And if you haven't, and you should by this point, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. My guest is a golf writer for SBNation.com and is the founder of Tapping Golf, a blog for the average golfer. His work has been featured on sites like Golf WRX and Pro Golf Now, coming to us all the way from the Washington, D.C. area, Mr. Trevor Reist. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah, this is cool. You and I, uh, you and I wrote for Bro Bible back in the day. You, you probably wrote some articles about golf. I probably wrote some articles about what it's like to be a shithead 22 year old in chicago (laughs) you know uh, golf is my area of expertise i guess but uh i guess there's a lot of useless entourage knowledge in my head too so hopefully we get to uh chat about that a little bit yeah and i I almost (laughs) want to apologize that this wasn't a golf episode there really aren't many entourage golf episodes um i don't think the next one comes until i think ari's playing for like vince's contract on a movie or or the very famous with tom brady that's the uh, one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you know, they they still managed to squeeze in some golf in a, in a few episodes. I, I think when they went, uh, when they were on Jimmy Kimmel, they played golf earlier right. in the day there, and you know, they. I just I like to think that they're golf fans. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean the the show is about bros being bros, and I mean bros like to golf. So, what was your experience like with Entourage growing up? So, I was thinking about this. Like, Entourage came out when I was in college, and uh, you know, back then you grab DVDs instead of streaming stuff and everybody, you know, if you had an entourage DVD, that thing got worn out in the, in the dorm room or the apartment, wherever we were. It, and it, you know, it's like, I think like everybody else is kind of that point in your life where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. You know, I'm about to graduate college here shortly and I really don't have a plan. Oh, these dudes are hanging out and partying all the time and they're rich beyond their wildest dreams. You know, they buy cool cars and they hang out with hot chicks that looks cool. That's what I want to do. That could be you know? me. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you kind of have, like, the dumb fantasy for a little bit. Um, now, I didn't do anything to follow up on that or even <laughs> try to follow that lifestyle, but it's cool to just have that fantasy. And, like, now when I watch it, because uh, I still do, you know, yeah. with the, you know, streaming options available, I mean, why wouldn't you just throw on a, you know, on a lazy 
Sunday afternoon or something, throw on four or five episodes, and it kind of just takes me back to that time where, like, you're in college, you can do whatever you want. These dudes uh, are just living the life. Now I'm, like, you know, I'm married now, I have a kid, and, (laughs) you know, it's cool to be like, oh, yeah, you know, back in college, this was fun, and, you know, we used to be able to go out and party and stuff like that, so uh, that's kind of my experience with it now. Entourage in college was the perfect hangover show. You know, you'd be hungover on a Sunday and you'd watch it, and what's funny is is still the perfect hangover show now that we're in our 30s, but the hangovers are much, much worse. (laughs) Yeah, that, the, you know, the binging turns into, like, a two- or three-day affair if you, you know, you have the time off. I've had a few people say, hey, in listening to this podcast, it's made me restart the the show again. And and I I admire the people. There are a few listeners I know that are trying to keep on pace with the pod, you know, one episode per week. But even I'm like, you can watch, like, three of these episodes in an hour. Like, Yeah, they're not long. Yeah, Some of these episodes clock in at, like, 24 minutes. So, yeah. I, I, I commend the restraint that people have for uh, keeping on pace with this podcast. And, and I, again, I appreciate everyone who's coming on this journey with us. Yeah, well, good for them, too. I mean, there's so many other options out there. I mean, to go back and watch a show, I, I, you know, it's been, what, six, seven years since it finished up? Seven so, years, I mean, yep. Yeah, so good for them. <laughs> Why don't we dive in to Season 1, Episode 6, Busey and the Beach? So, Busey and the Beach aired on Sunday, August 22nd, 2004. Do you know what the number one song on the Billboard charts was that week? Okay, 2004. I'm going to go with Usher and Ludacris. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a great guess, and I, I'm almost positive that it was a number one song this year. Unfortunately, it wasn't this week. The past two weeks, it has been Slow Motion by Juvenile, but you serving That's another good one. Slow Motion for the first time making an appearance at the number one spot in the Billboard charts. Are you ready for this? Hit me with it. Lean Back by Fat Joe and the yeah. Terror Squad. My niggas, <laughs> throw your hands in the air right now, man. Feel this shit right here. Scott Storch, nigga. Now you're just throwing me back to like frat parties. 100%. That, that's, that's what I'm picturing now because uh, those were in heavy rotation for sure. I don't want to speak about the Rucker. That's all I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Earlier this week that this episode premiered, on Thursday of this week, Thursday, August 19th, a Mountain View, California-based search engine company went public making its debut on the stock market at $100.34 a share. The company, called Google Inc., ended their first session on Thursday with a market value of $27 billion. <laughs> Don't you wish you got in on that? Yeah, can I, like, can, can uh, 22-year-old John Hickey listen to this podcast and hear that little tidbit of information, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only this podcast also came with, like, a time machine yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I think we'd use it for more reasons than just yeah. <laughs> watching Entourage. <laughs> <laughs> If you could, here, this is a, a curveball question that is totally derailing the, the podcast, but what, if you could warn 20-something-year-old Trevor about what is going to end up happening on the show, what would you warn him about? Uh, I guess maybe the whole last, second to last season where Vince is all strung out on drugs yep. and everything is miserable. Uh, 
you know, that was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Like, when you're enjoying it the first couple seasons, part of the enjoyment is just that these guys are having so much fun. Exactly. And they're successful and, you know, they're doing their thing. And to see them, like, I don't know, strung out on drugs and E's got relationship problems. and Like, it's just not fun. No, I know. You know? We're, we're due for – what's good is the last season of the show, season eight, is actually not as bad as people like tend to discuss it as. There's a lot of upswing in it. Um, it obviously ends on a high note, and then we roll right into the movie, which we will discuss in probably a year and a half's time. But that last season is such a downer. I don't know how we're going to deal with it. You know, If I have to have Sasha Gray on this and be like, what was going on in, <laughs> in your head during your performance choices? <laughs> now, that would be pretty cool. I, I have, you know, if you, if you have me back, if I do an okay job, I, I do have some thoughts on the Sasha Gray arc Perfect. for that season. Because it's, uh, it's kind of bizarre. Oh, 100%. When you, when you really, <laughs> so, well, when you really let's, think about it. Let's, let's pump the brakes on that. Make sure you do a good yeah. job here. And I'll set a calendar reminder to you for early 2020. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> discussing uh, season six. Okay. In this episode, Busey and the Beach, the boys begin their day at Ari's office, and they pair off. Drama prepares to meet his potential new agent, and he drags Turtle with him, while Eric and Vince attend a special meeting. The meeting is basically just an Edo booster for Vince, where a room full of agents try to entice him with potential projects. Drama discovers that his situation is in an entirely different story when he finds that his new agent, Adam Davies, is answering his own phone in his cubicle. And when he explains that it's going to be hard to find new jobs, an angry Johnny Drama storms out with some dramatic parting words, which we'll get to. <laughs> Later, the boys attend Derry Busey's art opening when they bump into aspiring agent Josh Weinstein. A dejected Drama meets another old actor friend who is now a waiter for a catering company. They leave the opening with an invitation to a hot beach party, and they go out with a bang, all thanks to Turtle. Emily, Ari's assistant, lets Ari know that he should be a little nervous about the whole situation. Turtle confronts Gary Busey at the beach with some interesting results, and then when Eric lets Ari know about their disapproval about the Queen's Boulevard script, Ari leaves his kid's birthday party to have an honest conversation with Eric and Vince. After things are settled... Ari lets drama in on some somewhat surprising news. He has three auditions that week, thanks to Adam Davies. Trevor, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Uh, you know, I think I have a couple. I mean, for one, just the title of, of the episode, Busey and the Beach. <laughs> Gary Busey is hilarious in this episode. Mm -hmm. When he's on the beach, first of all, how did he get invited to this party? Yeah, seriously. You know, it's, it's a bunch of, like, young guys and girls that Gary Busey. Like, that's kind of bizarre, but he's just standing there on the beach. He's, like, taking notes. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, it's just the whole scenario is pretty funny, and then he gives a very vivid description of how he's going to kick Turtle's ass. Oh, um, I could snap your sternum with one blow of my forehead to your chest. I could raise my head up and loosen your teeth, knock you down, grab you by the lip, pull you up, and tell you I'll be right back. He doesn't end up doing it. He's pouring water over his head. So I, I think that's pretty pretty funny. I also like when Ari is at his kid's birthday party and the clown is trying to give him, uh, you know, a reel and some headshots. And <laughs> Mr. Gold, hey, uh, Jeff Kahn, how's it going? Good, good. Well, um, I'd like you to have my uh, headshot. Oh, thanks, man. Listen, it's my kid's birthday, man, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I totally understand. It's cool. Uh, so why don't you take my reel, 
uh, he's just kind of like, uh, can you, can you kind of fuck off, dude? Like, this is my kid's party. But then he leaves yeah. in the middle of his kid's birthday party. Like, I can't even imagine what would happen in my life if I decided to leave my kid's birthday party about halfway through. I mean, it would just probably be the end of my marriage, yep. first of all. I mean, like, how could you possibly do that? Um, so those are a couple good moments that kind of stuck out to me in this episode. I like the. I also like the moment between him and Mrs. Ari, and I love a lot of their interplay where he says something along the lines of, I have to go, and she's like, you're at your son's birthday party? Absolutely not. And he basically just, like, flexes on her, like, I'm the asshole that pays for your art lessons and gets celebrities to attend your charity events and support your deadbeat brother. Hey, little agent boy, you better be back here for the cake. Jerry Busey's a real wild card in this. He's a wild card as, as a person. Famously, motorcycle accident in 1998. Um, never was the same. It, it gave him some sort of corp tech damage that he has been on record as saying, like, basically makes him say things that he doesn't, like, have any control over. And famously, in filming this episode, and he's appeared on other Entourage episodes as well, none of his lines were scripted. He was is that right? Yeah. He was improving the whole time. That's why if you watch the episode, like there's these weird cuts in between, like all of his different lines to Turtle. He famously thought that uh, Jeremy Piven was Ari Emanuel, the actor that Ari Gold is based off of. There's all these like interesting tidbits, and so uh, yeah, I, when we get to like worst celebrity cameo, I would never like say that Derry Busey was the worst, but definitely the most interesting. Um, yeah, well, good for him for kind of steering into that. Totally. And <laughs> embracing the craziness. And, like, I mean. making for a legendary entourage guest, to be honest. Yeah. So my favorite moment from the episode, it's it's on par with the Copacabana scene in Goodfellas. Thank you, sir. All right, see you later. Thanks. What are you doing? You leaving your car? Watch, it's a car for me. It's easier than leaving it out of the garage and waiting. It's a lot quicker that way. You know what I mean? Huh? I like going this way, better than waiting in the line. <laughs> it's Ari Gold pulling up to the Weinstein party and just like strutting in there, like telling the valet, like, leave the tease, I'll only be a minute. Right. And then just like, it's that tracking shot all the way through the house. Anyone seen Josh Weinstein? Yeah, he's upside drinking mimosa. There you go. The motherfucking host of this shit, dick. And then he confronts him on the deck and goes into like one of the all-time Ari Gold uh, speeches, which we'll get to when we talk about famous quotes. But that's it for me. That was, again, Ari wins season one. Uh, I'm just calling it now. I think he actually won an Emmy for this or maybe was nominated for season one. But he, he's like the character that really brought the show to the next level. And, and it it's yeah. apparent in season one. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, nothing to uh, disagree with there. I mean... Uh, he's he's the reason I think a lot of people stuck with the show. Let's be honest, there's a few slow moments in the first season, and like he just he just carries the show on his back a lot of those times. One hundred percent. What was your least favorite moment from the episode? You know, like it's that first scene where they come to the office, and everybody's just kissing Vince's ass. Oh yeah. Like I live in D.C. I don't live in Hollywood, obviously. So this is what my perception of Hollywood is, and if this is like really what it's like, he had a. I don't know, a mediocre movie opening. I mean, it was like $18 million. That's not crazy good. Even in 2004, that wasn't crazy good. Because you had like Pirates of the Caribbean opening with like 150 mil or something. Right, yeah. Know. So, But he's still going to come in that, 
that Monday or whatever it is, they'd like get his ass kissed for an hour and they're throwing out all these like terrible movie ideas. <laughs> I want to start off by saying that you could not be in a better position and we are so fucking proud of you. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Start us off, Trish. Koresh, a gritty feature version about the FBI's takedown of the Branch Davidian leader. The studio's interested in Vince for either David Koresh or the young, out-of-control FBI agent. Director status. They are out to Milos Forman. Milos Forman's genius. Keep it going, people. What we got? The Last Wasteland. Okay. James Gray scripted a very smart tale about the American worker, but set against a post-apocalyptic underwater society in 2050. I, I mean, it's kind of a common theme throughout the show. Like, they kind of try to pass off terrible movies as good ideas, like, yeah. as we'll see with Aquaman. I mean, it, it, on the surface, that's a terrible idea, but they make it the biggest movie of all time. Hey, um, in 2019, it's not a terrible idea. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, the, and then they're like, they're talking about the, uh, you know, David Koresh. They're talking about Charlize Theron is in a movie about a post-apocalyptic underwater society. Yeah. You know, like, these are terrible ideas. Yeah, but, but is that that far off from her role in Mad Max? Like, which is, I guess not. I mean... I don't know. Maybe they need to sell it better. I have a I have a bit of a theory about this. I, you know, I agree that like it was a little corny how they are offering him a bunch of like basically middling movie roles, but I think I think to them I think to the audience it's supposed to be like, "Oh, Vince has made it. He's moving on to his next movie." But I think to the agency, they're like, "Okay, this kid got his first movie and he did okay, so we're now going to start offering him some okay roles, but we have to make him feel like he just conquered the world. Yeah. That's me reading yeah, I mean, way too far sense. into it. But if this is really like them rolling out the red carpet, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the uh, what was the other one? The the American Taliban story. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of funny. But I, I yeah, you make a good point that, like, maybe they are trying to just boost him up a little bit. And this is not how it goes all the time. Like, like if Mark thinking. Wahlberg was there, they, they'd roll out a whole different set of movies from Mark Wahlberg. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, a whole bunch of Boston themed movies. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, at, my least favorite moment from the episode was all the Emily E shit at the beach house. I, and I don't like, I'm not like a woman hater when it comes to the show. I think she was actually a pretty, like decent like girlfriend character in the first season she's like got a career and is worried about that career and kind of just likes eric for who he is and not because of, of anything else but the whole like don't put me in this position eric eric if you call ari i'm leaving right now he like calls ari right in her face it's just super childish and i was like it's like two 16 year olds fighting yeah. up the, the lake or something and I get it's why kind of that. Annoying. Yeah, it's annoying, but I also get why they had to, you know, add that like conflict in there. But it didn't need to be so like melodramatic. Yeah, it's also like a perspective that I can't really understand because I don't think I've ever had a job where I'd be willing to like end a relationship because yeah. you know someone's interfering with my job. You know, like so. I <laughs> I don't think I've had a job I've cared enough about. <laughs> yeah, so I think maybe I'm turned off from that part of the the show as well, just because I'm like, well, it's. It's just a job, yep. you know? Like, who yep. cares? <laughs> totally. It's just a fucking job. You're more important, right. even if you're not. Yeah. Favorite line. I'll start, and then you can go ahead, as I know we both have a few that we have to. This is this episode is just littered with amazing lines. So the first one's a small one. Uh, Turtle says it as they walk into Gary Busey's art gallery. He says... Fucking art, man. Fuck fucking art. What are we? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
perfect that that brooklyn that brooklyn accent yeah um yeah and then at the art show too gary Busey is explaining his art and uh he's talking about emotional confusion and he goes this is emotional confusion and what is emotional confusion you ask it's like running naked through a cornfield backwards at midnight. I mean, and, and people are just like eating that up, except for like Vincent E. They're yeah. cracking up because it's an utterly ridiculous statement that he's trying to say it with a straight face. So. That sounds like sodomy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, this, I mean, I got two just classic Ari Gold lines. The first one is uh, when he's speaking to Emily when she says, you know, I'm going to this party with the boys at Josh Weinstein's. He says, Knock off the hippie shit, strap on a helmet, and start shooting. This is Malibu, Emily. I want you to storm that beach like it's fucking Normandy. That's <laughs> yeah. so great. It's incredible. <laughs> He's got a lot of lines like that in the show where he kind of references historical things. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the writing of one liners or whether he comes up with them on the spot, I mean, it's just fantastic throughout this show. I, I will stand firmly with. I think Doug Allen and the and the crew who wrote a lot of these episodes, especially early early on, are very good joke writers. And p- making them come out of the mouths of Jeremy Piven and Tevin Dillon as like drama and Ari are just home runs. Right. Any other yeah. lines? Well, I mean, when he when he finally confronts Weinstein yep. and you know he goes through his whole speech and he's you know he's going to steal all his clients and he says, "You know what other class I took at Harvard? Business ethics. I don't steal other people's motherfucking clients." But in your case, I'm going to make an exception. I'm going to take everyone, your B-level sitcom stars, your reality TV writers. When I'm done with you, you're going to be repping sideshow freaks. You need JoJo the dog-faced bitch boy? Call Josh Weinfuck, the lightweight pen-stealing fuckface. <laughs> I mean, that's, that just kills him. And then, and then he takes a big sip of his mimosa and dumps it out over the, uh, the side of the deck there. I mean, it's just a great scene in, in the show. And I mean... For me, that's that's one of the ones that you can look back and like you're just hooked on on watching what Ari Gold's gonna do each week. You know, I know, uh, and he's he's alpha agent to the max for a dozen episodes in a row. And and I liked how later in the show they started giving him some cracks and started showing how much he cared about his family. But sure. as an introductory to the show and like a, a character you needed to immediately gravitate towards, he was it. Yeah, that was my last yeah. line as well. Moving on to best song. Uh, there weren't a ton of songs in this episode, but I will say, uh, again, in that famous, in the Copacabana scene, as I'm calling it, where he pulls up to Weinstein's beach party, uh, Don't Say Nothing by The Roots plays. Uh, Roots yeah. were, like, as hot as shit back in the early 2000s. They still are, but that song really took me back. Yeah, that's actually what I had written down, too, because I, uh, I had that album. I think there was, like, 20, 30 songs on that yep. thing. Yep, yep. Um, and this is kind of, I mean, the roots were big, but it was kind of before Quest Love became like his own brand. Exactly. You know, they were still like a group, you know, and, and make it, I guess they make music, but, you know, they they were still kind of like a, just on the cusp of stardom rap group. And, and that's kind of what I remember. I mean, we listened to the roots all the time when I was in school. So, uh, yeah, I had that same song. It just fit. It fit with that scene really well. Yeah, perfect. This is, uh, we've talked about this before, but the slow infusion of like, it wasn't underground hip hop, but not as well known hip hop songs into this. I mean, basically shaped the taste of millions of young 20 year olds at that yeah. time. I'm also going to give a special shout out to uh, the Doors song that plays over the end credits. It's called Peace Fraud. I only want to shout it out because coincidentally, last week when I talked about um, 
the script and the Sherpa with Kyle Banduho. I put a Doris on over the end credits of this podcast because of Val Kilmer's, you know, role as a... Uh, as Jim Morrison, and it's just coincidental that like an episode later, uh, <laughs> Doug Allen and crew just did the same thing. Uh, I feel like the Doors are kind of the perfect L.A. SoCal like stoner band. Um, so yeah, there were really no bad songs. Sometimes we like to talk about the worst songs, but I, I did. Did you pick up on any? Yeah, I was gonna say nothing really stood out that was like off or just you know a terrible song. I mean that certainly has happened throughout the show, but I you know I didn't hear it really that popped out there. Okay. And then Best Celebrity Cameo, uh, again, not many in this episode. Really, there's just the one, and he's in the title, and it's Gary Busey. I didn't see anyone else worth even mentioning in the same breath. You know, I could snap your sternum with one blow, Turtle. It's just, it's 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 legendary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the best cameo is Gary Busey by default, but uh, his art is terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he just makes, I mean, he makes the episode because... You know, he's hilarious. He's crazy. Uh, <laughs> Turtle's looking over his shoulder the entire time of the party. And yeah, I mean, you can't go can't go wrong with Gary Busey cameo, I guess. I actually caught one bad celebrity cameo. He's not really a celebrity. He's just like a kind of a well-known character actor. So Gus, who's the actor turned waiter that drama talks to at Gary Busey's art exhibit. Gus! Johnny hey, Drama! How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good, man. What are you doing, man? I'm working. Glad to have the job. Get out of town. No. Gus, I can't believe this. You were the second lead in Cornelius and Son. That was only a recurring. That was nine years ago. He's an actor named Joey Slotnick. Joey's from Chicago, Illinois. He was Steve Wozniak in a film called The Pirates of Silicon Valley. He had a bit part in Twister. It was just one of those interesting guys where I went, oh, I recognize that guy. I wouldn't right. call him like a bad celebrity cameo. I would just call him as like a... You know, a face in the crowd that uh, uh, kind of jumped out at me. Yeah, I mean, just one of those guys you recognize, and you're like, I- I've seen him in some other things. Then you go to IMDb and look him up. Right? Yeah, he's he's been working steadily for the past twelve years, minus the last three, according to drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, this new tatador was brought to us by my guest last week, Kyle Bandil. If you haven't listened to the script and the Sherpa episode yet, fantastic episode. We went deep on some Val Tilmer theories. But he brought to the table the worst outfit in this episode. What did, what jumped out at you as a bad outfit? It's almost always Turtle, but I, I caught a yeah, few other ones Yeah, I was going to say, well. it's, it's easy to single out Turtle because he's wearing, you know, baggy sweats everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, the backwards hat. And uh, I'm going to go with Vince's hat yes. that he's wearing at the beach. Thank like, you. what is that about? Yeah. Uh, he's got a great head of hair, and it, it just seems awkward the entire... It looks like it's about to fall off. Yeah. The entire time. I mean, what is he doing? It's sitting yeah. like on his forehead. It's this green and white trucker hat. Like, where did he get that and why is he wearing it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. I also thought it was weird how Turtle sends some girls over to cheer up drama because drama's all depressed because he thinks he's going to be a waiter. And the girls don't even like acknowledge Vince. And I'm like, and I get that like they were sent over by drama to like cheer up, oh, sent over by Turtle to cheer up drama. But like, if I was one of those three girls and I was standing next to one of the biggest movie stars in the world, like, I'd try to at least snuggle up to him or something like that i don't know <laughs> random <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean was but, but just to me this is just a side note was drama really ever going to become a waiter like uh, no you know <laughs> he, he's so depressed but like just think about it dude you, you know your brother's super successful he's not going to let you become a waiter that's, you know <laughs> but that's why the character is so funny because he's so I know. tragic his everything yeah. is just 
when they're when they're all pumped in the elevator after the meeting and he's just like crestfallen and he's like that's it for me bro i'm done yeah like, i know your brother is skyrocketing right now you can just you know catch the fallout for the next whatever seven eight years um yeah special shout out for worst outfit to turtles everlast sweatsuit and his backwards new york yankees cap at the art exhibit i think it was made entirely of velour <laughs> I worked it at, looks comfortable. It I mean, looks super comfortable. I worked at Foot Locker when I was 16 years old, which is probably only a few out, few years before this came out, and I and I definitely sold and maybe wore quite a few pairs of velour sweatpants. I mean, we all have some things like that that we wish we uh, we didn't rock. I I got my ears pierced uh, when I was in high school, and I thought that that looked cool. So you know, it's a, it's a little it, more it permanent. Is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what hasn't aged well about this episode, Trevor? I mean, you could always kind of point to like the technology and stuff like sure. that, you know, the the thick ties and the three button suits, that kind of stuff. But, I, uh, you know, I was I kind of went the other way with this. The one thing that has aged well is the hatred for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> oh, um, yes. You're from D.C. They, this made sense. Uh, from D.C. This was like 15 years ago now. And they're standing there at the hot, they're getting their hot dogs at the hot dog stand and. Uh, Ari's got floor seats to the Wizards, and they are disgusted by the idea of going to a Wizards basketball game. So, hey, Saturday, grab the boys. I got the floor seats. Really? Yeah, twenty-four hundred bucks a pop. You're gonna be sitting on Jack's lap. Guys, Ari's got floor seats for the Lakers on Saturday. Who are they playing? Who are they playing? Playing the Wizards. Gonna be a great game, baby. Wizards. Fuck, fuck that, bro. No go, Ari. Thanks anyway. That has aged surprisingly well because people would still be disgusted to go to a uh, a Wizards basketball game. Uh, what hasn't aged well? I mean, yeah, I guess you just look at like their cell phones are kind of weird, and Ari's filming his kid's birthday party with a camcorder, that kind of stuff. So, I just looked it up because I was like, when did Michael Jordan play on the Wizards? It had to, he had just retired. He, he played just from two thousand one yeah. to two thousand three. So yeah. They were dog shit. Rip Hamilton was the star of the team. Like, yeah, the the ghost of Michael Jordan had just retired uh, from the uh, let, from the Wizards. I don't blame yeah. the boys. I don't want to. Even if I'm sitting towards that, I don't want to see the Spencer Haywood <laughs> play. <laughs> There's always next year, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Couple of good lines that haven't aged well. So I guess they'd be considered bad lines, but they're still good lines in my mind. Eric says to Turtle. He's Shauna's client, so be nice. Turtle goes, why, is he retarded? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that probably doesn't age well. I uh, can't say it's something like that anymore. No, and uh, when when Josh Weinstein offers, invites the boys to the beach party, someone asks, is there going to be girls there? And Josh Weinstein goes, the only girls in this town who won't be there are the ugly ones. <laughs> so which gross. sounds like something like a virgin in high school would say, which is just perfect perfect josh weinstein <laughs> yeah uh you know so while we're talking about weinstein yeah. i kind of have a theory Let's that i like to think you know uh he is you know somehow related to harvey weinstein oh yeah that's good you know because he, he's a young kid and he's already like out agent. here making deals he's an agent already you know like how did that happen yeah uh you know so and then also he's a total creep yep. so you know it makes sense when you when you think about it. Yeah, the 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 world of Entourage, like it's all mixed up because yeah, like there's also like a Harvey character that comes in later when they're at, at Sundance and and it, it's just interesting. And what's even what's even funnier is the actor who plays Josh Weinstein is an actor named Josh <laughs> Labar. <Yeah. laughs> so it's 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 they didn't stretch very far on that one. 
and then one Quadari line. That's why no more guys. You fire a guy and you create a rival. You fire a woman and you create a housewife. That's sweet. You're still late. <laughs> Just some yeah. classic early 2000s sexism. I have no problem with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, but that, that's what makes Ari Ari. And, yeah. You know, when, when Lloyd comes in, I mean, he's, he's making gay jokes and stuff like that. But he, he, always, he promises to always apologize afterwards. That's so true. That's there, true. there's that. The Marvin Award for Best New Character. Who are we giving it to? Uh, you know, I I guess I'll go with Davies. I yeah. mean, he's the only really, like, new... Adam Davies is the only really new character in the episode. Yeah. I do think it's funny he's answering the phone for himself and saying he's in an important meeting. and It kind of sets the stage for how he's going to be in this series moving forward. I mean, he's a total dick. Even yeah. when he's, like, sitting there with drama who is going to be his client. He's telling him, yeah, you know, I thought you'd be a little bit younger. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's it's going to be tough to get you back in the game. You know, all that kind of stuff. It, he's his agent. I know, I know. He's, <laughs> he's know? supposed to be his biggest champion. That's it's true. Like he's just a douche, and yeah. that's how he's going to be. But, um, yeah, and then as you see kind of later on, he, he does know what he's doing, and, and he's a good kind of rival for, for Ari. Totally, and that's that's the reason I voted for him as well as the best new character. He's maybe not very likable, but he provides like a good foil for Ari Gold in these first couple seasons. Famously, he led rats on Ari when Ari's trying to do like a, you know, a coup, spoiler alert. <laughs> but like, and then, he, and then they, they kind of butt heads. They have that street race at one point. Like I, I saw him and was like, oh, I'm looking forward to all the like shit he gets into with Ari in the future. So yeah, and and he's and he's different. He's different than Weinstein because Weinstein's just a douche. Yep. He he's a, he's gonna be there. He's gonna provide some funny moments, but he's not like the competition for Ari. Exactly. You know? Who besides Vince won this episode, Trevor? Well, I, you know, I'll say that it's kind of a toss up between E and drama for me because E finally starts to like grow some balls. That's right. And, and give Ari some shit. And you kind of notice that Ari is going to have to deal with Eric more than just, like, telling him what they're doing. You yeah. know, this, this is the movie that Vince is going to do, blah, blah, blah. You tell Vince now, Eric. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of changes to, hey, I'm gonna ha- Eric's going to have a say in this, and fuck you if you don't go along with it. Um, but then also drama finally gets a job, or he's got auditions, you know. True. He, he's about to, like just walk into the ocean with a bunch of rocks in his pocket and uh he gets saved at the end of the episode yeah you know i i initially thought it'd be e as well he straightens out ari a little bit like in the office we want to do queen's boulevard sit down do what you gotta do call who you gotta call stop the agenting bullshit and get us a fucking offer my boy's blossoming you know he's on the phone with ari about the floor tickets and and Ari goes, should I be worried about this Josh Weinstein party? And he goes, you should be worried about floor seats at the Lakers on Sunday, like bid ditching them a little bit. But I ultimately think, and I'm going to disagree with you, it goes to Ari. Because not only does he have two or three pretty incredible lines and moments in this episode, ultimately at the end of it, you can tell that he's gained a newfound respect for Eric and you show that he has his clients' like best intentions in mind. Okay. I think it's the height of stupidity to follow head-on with Queens Boulevard. That's the God's honest truth. That's all we ever asked for, Ari. I don't want to show you my hand. I am working for you. This thing turns out to be the next My Big Fat Greek Bitch makes 500 million? Why shouldn't you get rich? He, he does that little speech where he's like, I think it's the like, height of stupidity to follow up a, a hit with a, an indie. But 
I will do this for you if that's what you want. And they say, that's all we want. And he's like, all right, next one's a studio movie. I, I liked it. He, he showed a little bit of, he showed that he could be flexible. And he also showed that like he, he really does have his client's best intention in mind. So all those things combined, it goes to Ari for me. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with any of that, but I, I'm just happy for drama. He you know he didn't off himself after the episode. Or, you know, <laughs> Speaking of drama, favorite Johnny drama moment. I'll say one, and then you can <laughs> continue. I said it earlier. I've been working steady for the last twelve years, minus the last three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like when the, he's trying to act, act like the smartest guy in the room at the uh, art exhibit, and he refers to Jackson Pollock as Jason Pollock. <laughs> I thought I don't know why that was so funny to me, but this kind of reminds me of Jason Pollock's early work. He employs a similar technique, pointillism, they call. It. Yeah, you know, I read for Basquiat. Uh, he kind of does that a lot where he tries to just be smarter than everybody else oh, yeah. even though he has no idea what, what the hell he's talking about most of the time drama's, drama's always acting that's what I've said before on this pod he's always yeah. putting on a show for someone even if it's like his friend from childhood who's like you don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> and then I mean this line is one of the most famous Johnny drama lines but when Adam Davies tells him well I'll fight for you but I can't lie it's uh, not going to be easy to get you back in the game Back in the game. I am the fucking game, pal. Come on, turn Let's go. Come on. And then storms out. I mean, epic. The balls on this guy. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like Turtle in that scene, too. He, he takes it like, he just puts a handful of chips in his mouth and like <laughs> stares down Davies as he's walking away. Like, like he's going to kick his ass for insulting drama. Oh, amazing. <laughs> So, in all of that, what did you think of this episode? Was it an A-list episode, a B-list episode, or a D-lister? I think I'd go with B, yeah. B-list. I mean, like we were kind of talking about before, you know, they don't buy a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. They don't really, Vince doesn't really bang any hot chicks. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's pretty tame uh, from, like, the celebrity lifestyle standpoint, I guess. Um, but it does kind of set up, you know, what we're going to see. I mean, it, it's necessary, so it... it introduces some important plot lines like they're gonna do queen's boulevard yep. and things are things are going okay in vince's career I, I could do without all the relationship problems with eric totally you know like you kind of said I'm, I'm always team Kristen anyway in the first whoa whoa hold the fuck on wait a second you're team Kristen. i think just from a Dude, this episode. You know, just like if you're if, <laughs> if, if if you're if you're just running around la you're a young kid I just, I don't know, I I just prefer Kristen. Now, that being said, I could do without, like, the psychoanalyzing and all that kind of stuff because that would certainly get on my nerves. But I don't know, there's just something about her. I prefer her over over Emily. You know, it's interesting because, uh, and this is a little personal, but, like, uh, Kristen would have totally been my type of girl, too, at that age. Like, blonde, young, it just, uh, I maybe it's because I'm 30, but like Emily, to me, I'm like, oh, she's got a career. She's that future aspiration. She's not like kind of a bitch to Eric, you know. And and so yeah, but in if, my if mind, I'm attracted to that. If you're 25, yep. I mean, are you really thinking about that kind of stuff? That's a good point, man. You know what? You're, you're kind of convincing me on Team Kristen. You're, you're <sighs> thinking like Kristen's pretty hot. You know, yeah. she's still in school, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, she doesn't really have a lot of responsibilities. Um, she probably sleeps in late. Yeah, you know, we don't have to get, don't have to get up early the next morning. She probably has you know, a all that sweet kind of stuff. like dorm set up, <laughs> yeah. shared apartment on campus or something. Yeah, and then you could still go to frat parties and stuff. You know, right? honestly, ugh, 
Oh, just my skin just crawled. Honestly, like, <laughs> just just trying to imagine myself with a 22-year-old right now, like, listening to them complain about, like, trying to get internships, it just makes my skin crawl. <laughs> like, yeah, it sounds exhausting. Yeah, it sounds so <laughs> exhausting, yeah. Oh, man, I can't believe that. Team Kristen, yeah. I can never forgive her for the bullshit she pulls in, like, episode two of next season, my Maserati does 185. That is, like, a top five episode for me, and... The fact that she basically like, cheated on Eric all summer, it's just, ugh, just, it's happened. I think it's happened to all of us, to be honest with you. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough once it gets to that point. But for right now, I'm, you know, Kristen. Okay. Kristen all, the way. all right. <laughs> Trevor Reese, Team Kristen. And then that's and that's the episode. I mean, that's 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 the note we're going to end on for uh, Busey and the Beach. Uh, thank you for joining me uh, on this journey through uh, everything Gary Busey, Josh Weinstein, and beyond. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Uh, what, where can the good people follow you, read your writing, all that good stuff? Yeah, uh, check me out on Twitter. That's the easiest way to, to find everything, pretty much. I'll, you know, I usually post whatever uh, whatever I write there. And uh, if you like to uh, to watch golf tournaments and have someone make average jokes <laughs> about what's going on, it's uh, Trevor Reesk, R-E-A-S-K-E, uh, on Twitter. Awesome. And we will definitely try to have you back on maybe during a golfing episode. However, if it's... The Tom Brady, Mark Wahlberg one, and I did either Tom Brady or Mark Wahlberg. You might have to take a back seat. That's fine. You know what? I'm willing to uh, to let them handle that. I appreciate it, guys. Make sure you follow the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Pod Instagram and Twitter at Oh Yeah Pod. I am at JR. We'll do it on Instagram and Twitter, and we will see you next week for the introduction of acclaimed director Billy Walsh. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. I don't give a fuck about your faults or mishaps, nigga. We from the Bronx, New York, shit happens. Kids clapping, let us spark the place. Half the niggas in the squad got a scar on their face. It's a cold world and this is ice. Half a meal for the charm, nigga, this is life. Got the phantom in front of the building, Trinity, yeah. Ten years, been legit, they still figure me bad. As a young, was too much to cope with. Why you think motherfuckers nicknamed the cook, cook shit? Should have been called on robbery, stall shit. Or maybe grand larceny. I did it all to put the pieces to the puzzle. Till long, I knew me and my people was gonna bubble. Came out the gate on some Flojo shit. Fat nigga with the shotty with the logo kid. Said my niggas don't dance, he just pull up my pants and do the rock away.